Um, we're going to jump right in. Uh, next Sunday, I'm beginning a, a fall series uh, that um, is kind of simply entitled No Fair, uh, where we're looking at the gospel text and how, how Jesus reframes our understanding of what is and isn't fair in God's sight. Um, thankfully, spoiler alert, it's a lot more gracious than we would have it otherwise. Uh, today, though, I want to talk about more of a, a, a topical idea, and that is friendship or really relationships in the Christian life, as it was something I really focused on during my sabbatical. And to do this, we're going to dive into uh, Paul's letter to the Romans, the 12th chapter, beginning with the 9th verse. Listen for God's word. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints, extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As I said, I had a wonderful time of, of Sabbath, and uh, I'm so grateful for all of you for, for that time of rest and renewal. Um, as you know, if you get our newsletters and stuff, where our family took some wonderful trips uh, together, the four of us, and um, we, uh, another focus of mine was family worship. Um, as, as my wife lovingly will tell me, I, I before the summer, didn't know what it was like to be a parent in the pews with kids, so... Now I have a little more of an idea of that, but uh, I was also looking at how different churches welcome families, um, and it was interesting being a family coming into a new church each week. Um, and, and while it was a great experience, and it was, it was nice having a break, not preaching every Sunday, um, for the four of us, it didn't ever quite feel right. Not that the worship services weren't great or didn't hear great preaching, because we did, but what was missing was you all. We missed you. <laughs> and, and really, that's the fundamental thing I wanted to get to today. It was, it, it was different because we didn't have these built-up relationships with the folks that we were worshiping with. That makes a difference. Relationships matter. Friendships matter. And so that was something I wanted to focus on as well, was, was relationships not only with, with my family and extended family, but with friends, 
So I had the joy of, of doing a trip with some of my friends from high school that I haven't seen since then. Y'all think I'm young, but it really has been a while since I graduated high school. Um, so that was a joy. And I also had a, a chance to go on a conference or do a conference uh, with fellow pastors um, that was kind of a rest and renewal conference. And I got to catch up with some, some old friends in ministry as well as meet some new friends um, as well. But why do you think I want to focus on friendship? Well, there are a few things going on here. One is that pastors are notoriously bad at keeping up friendships. After all, a, a big part of our job is, is maintaining relationships and, and uh, being in community and fellowship with the folks in our, in our churches. And, and sometimes what happens is our other relationships fall by the wayside. So pastors are notoriously bad at keeping up friendships, but if you dig a little deeper, there's been a lot of research lately talking about men having trouble uh, with friendships uh, in particular and, and, and struggling with that in their lives. Uh, one of my favorite comedians named John Mulaney has a bit where he said, my dad has no friends. Your dads have no friends. If you think your dads have friends, you're wrong. Your moms have friends and they have husbands. Those are not your dad's friends. As with all great comedy, it's funny, but there's, there's kind of a deep critique and a little chilling thing to think about there um, when, when friendship is something we struggle with. But, I mean, when you dig even deeper, it's not just men, it's not just pastors, but all of society struggles with friendship. And I think that's why we're as isolated and broken and divided as we are as, as a community and as, as a world. We struggle with finding ways to connect with one. Thankfully, our words from Paul in Romans today are just the antidote for such a world. Now, I haven't been able to geek out with you guys for three months, so I'm going to try to take it easy, but uh, forgive me if I go a little overboard. So Paul begins our, our reading today, and it begins kind of in the middle of a thought at verse 9, but he says, let your love be genuine. A nice statement, but really the the translators of the NRSV that we use as our, our pew Bible are trying to smooth out some kind of rough Greek. But I think that rough Greek helps us understand what Paul's getting at here. Really what he says is let love, let agape, the, love, the unconditional love we know uh, from God in Christ, let that love of yours be not hypocritical. The word there in Greek is aniupakritas. So not or unhypocritical. So we, we know that word today from the word hypocrisy, but really in Greek, it, it's a word used to describe an actor. If you've ever traveled to the Greco-Roman world, you might remember that in plays in those times, the actors wore masks. So hypocrites uh, is a name uh, of an actor that wears a mask to signify an emotion or a feeling. And these masks will change throughout. So Paul is saying, let your love, let your unconditional love that we know that is from, in, and of God, let that love not be simply a mask. Let that love be real. Let that love be true. Okay, so that's verse 9. In verse 10, he keeps talking about love, but he switches words. 
He goes from talking about agape love, that is the, the unconditional love of God, to talking about philos, which um, is a, a familial love, a, a relational love, a, a word I like to, for the sake of our purposes today, define or translate as friendship. He talks about outdoing one another in mutual affection. The word there in Greek is Philadelphia, the, the, the great city in our, in our nation. So brotherly love, let that... Um, out, try to outdo one another in that familial, brotherly, friendship love um, there. This is really quite an odd thing for Paul to be saying in the time that he lives. Because in the first century, in the Greco-Roman world, there was an institution at work known as the patronage system, wherein one's love or one's loyalty or one's affection was a chip to be played one that was commonly associated as something you would use to maintain or to increase your stature within a community. So think how weird it is then as Paul continues saying, love those who persecute you, befriend the stranger, extend food and drink and shelter to the outcast, the stranger, those no one wants or no one loves. Love people who can't help you out, basically. It's an odd idea, but it's a true one. Then he says what I think is the, the kind of keystone of this whole text. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. And let this rejoicing, let this weeping not be simply a mask, but let that be genuine. Let that be agape, unconditional love and friendship that you share with one another. That is a powerful image of friendship, friends. It's akin to what I think is the best example of friendship in the Bible. In the book of Job, at the very beginning, after all these tragedies befall Job, his three friends come to him from the corners of the known world. And what do they do? They sit with him on the ash heap and say nothing. They weep with him for a week. Now, unfortunately, they'll open their mouths and do a lot of harm after that. But the first image of these friends is beautiful and poetic. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Something we noticed on our, on our uh, family trips this summer was that no matter where we went or what the situation was, our two kiddos had such an easy time making friends wherever we went. At the family camp we attended, our daughter made a best friend the very first day that she was inseparable with the whole week. When we were at the Pacific Ocean, our two uh, kids befriended a, a young German boy that was there with his family on vacation and just hit it off like they had known each other forever. And it always makes me think seeing kids make friends so fast, so easily. Why do we as adults struggle with that? Now, we may not have the patronage system of the, the Greco-Roman world as, as much of an ingrained institution, but I still think we function that way as a society, don't we? Where our love, our affection, our loyalty is, is often a, attributed to one, uh, to someone being able to help us out or, or give us a, a lift up. You scratch my back, I'll scratch your back, that sort of thing. We have, we have trouble rejoicing and weeping with one another. We'll rejoice with someone if we also happen to be rejoicing about that thing. 
The weeping's even harder, I think. We have trouble weeping with those who weep if we ourselves aren't also going through that, that thing. And unfortunately, even more so, or even, even more concerning or unfortunate in our world, is that we often point fingers of blame at people who are weeping, saying they're weeping for decisions they've made in their own lives, that it's their own fault that they're weeping. There's got to be a better way, friends. And it's really no wonder that we as a society struggle with friendship, with relationship, with community. Now, thankfully, Paul says there's a different way, a better way. A way in which we don't dole out friendship and love and affection based on what someone else can do for us, but rather to be in relationship with someone, to be strengthened by someone's friendship uh, and companionship in our lives, to build true community, koinonia, fellowship with, with one another as a society. And the reason Paul says this is possible, even though it's against all odds, even though it's against the current of the culture and world and institution of patronage at the time, the reason he says this is possible is through Christ. We've experienced this kind of genuine agape love because we have experienced Christ. We know what it's like to rejoice with those who rejoice because Christ has been with us on the mountaintops of our lives, cheering us along rejoicing with us at the high points of our lives, but Christ has also been with us at the deepest valleys, the lowest of the lows, weeping, crying, suffering right there alongside us. Though it's difficult, friends, we know how to do it because we've seen it. We've experienced it ourselves. Now all we have to do is live this kind of love out genuinely with one another. The same goes for our world today. We can live out this kind of genuine love together because we, like Paul's audience in Rome, have experienced this kind of love in and through Christ. We can rejoice with one another. We can weep with one another. We can try to, to share love and friendship, uh, not just with those that, that share the same mindsets and ideas and, and opinions as us, but with everyone in our community because we know that we need one another in society. We know that it takes rejoicing alongside each other and weeping alongside one another to build true Christian community. Now y'all know I'm a sucker for a good sports story, so bear with me. But a year ago in the Little League World Series, a beautiful moment of this this kind of agape love and friendship happened, rejoicing and weeping. As, as a, uh, uh, a well-known and, and uh, pretty prominent pitcher in, in the, the series was, was um, on the mound, a pitch got away from him, as those who play baseball knows happens even to the best of, of pitchers. And his pitch struck the batter in the head. These are 12-year-old kids. It was scary, it was violent. I, I played baseball when I was that age and got hit in the head by a pitch. and It's terrifying. Thankfully, the kid was okay. He got up at, with the help of, of his coach and ran onto first base. It seemed like the game would go on, the, the crowds were cheering that he got up and everyone was okay. Except it wasn't. The pitcher wasn't okay. 
He had the glove over his face. He was weeping. It terrified him to his core. So that's when the, the, um, the batter, the person hit by the pitch, noticed. And he took off his helmet, walked intently to the mound, and hugged the pitcher. And he said, it's okay. You're doing just great. Keep throwing strikes. You got this. It was only 20 seconds long, but it was a moment in sports that became known simply as the hug, if you've seen it. I probably did a terrible job explaining it. Again, it's been three months, friends. <laughs> but this hug reverberated throughout the sports world and, and even beyond because it transcended the game to show something that's deeply lacking in human society, this kind of compassion, this kind of friendship, this kind of rejoicing and weeping alongside one another. And yes, they did become friends, even though they lived some eight and a half hours apart from one another. They, they are friends to this day. Friends, uh, the, these uh, two young men showed us a lot about what Paul's talking about here. Let your love be genuine. Extend hospitality, not just to those who can help you out, but share friendship, share love with everyone. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Friends, we can do this because we've experienced it ourselves in Christ. Amen.